0: This episode of the Two Fit Crazy in a Microphone podcast is brought to you by Allstate. Yep, that's right. You're in good hands with Ben Sayer, Sayer Financial Services. Uh, be covered when uh, mayhem strikes. Home and auto coverage with Sayer Financial Services. Allstate, 732-449-4433. Check them out. Get a quote. Get on it. Mayhem happens. Be covered. And who else, Christine?
1: Conti fit dot. You heard it right, everybody. ContiFit.com, the best in personal training, in coaching, running, in your overall health. You want to feel better. You want to move, functional fitness, and coming at you, let's face it together, trademarked facial fitness and rehabilitation program, looking better, feeling better, and uh, it's time to make some great changes for you, ContiFit.com.
0: Also brought to you by High Five Health and Fitness. Create positive change in your life with High Five Health and Fitness. And, uh, really, when was the last time you sat down and talked to somebody about your health and where you are right now and where there is areas that can be improved and what needs to be done to feel better? Uh, and that's what we do. So, uh, check it out. High Five Health and
1: it is Christine Conti, And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. And we're going to be remaining in New Jersey <laughs> is where we're at.
0: That's right. We're at, where, this is where we're at and this is where mm-hmm. we're going to be. Yep. And
1: uh, so um, we were supposed to be going to San Diego. However, we did the next best thing today. Yeah. We brought in Brian Connors, who is currently living in San Diego. We brought San Diego to us. And Brian Connors is not going to disappoint today. In fact, I think he may just inspire you to do just a little bit more. Just do a
0: little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more than uh than than you know you usually do. There's a there's always a you know a, a
1: one little push that you can give yourself. Holy geez. Um pretty impressive. Rich Roll, you better look out. You better look <laughs> out. Brian Connors is coming for you.
0: So we're talking about things like uh 15 Ironman in 15 days. You know, what started, you know, with the training for that was just on his own, self-supported, three Ironmans in three days.
1: And um, Iron Men's Are we plural? Iron Man. Are, are, are it's just Ironmans. Iron Man's. And the Triple Crown, which is like...
0: <laughs> triple Crown 200. 200
1: mile runs and more big within two, a certain big amount Bigfoot
0: 200. Bigfoot uh, 200. Like Tahoe, Tahoe. 200, and then the Moab, Moab. 240, you know, because you got to add that 40 extra miles in there for that one. I I mean,
1: you know, why not? If you're going to run 200, you might as well just add the extra 40 miles.
0: But but what you're really going to hear in this interview is the passion and like the why is more or less a why the hell not, right? right? Like this is really great what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. It's not torture it's like i'm running to these events yeah and and brian is is just you know it's 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 humble it's humbling right he's incredibly humble however it's like you just feel this passion and this igniting of the soul that he gets from doing these events and never is a question of like you know it's it's not crazy to him it's one foot in front of the
1: other it's not about the fame. It's not about the glory. It's not about, you know, running through and, you know, getting likes on my social media and the pictures. And for him, it's, he keeps saying, we were, we were remarking before that he's grateful. Like he gets up and says, I get to do this. I am lucky enough and healthy enough. And, you know, I have the means to live in this country that I can do something that I love. And that's what's so amazing, and that's you know why we talk about being fit crazies, and people ask us like, why do you do these crazy things? And we say because they bring us joy. Yeah, they why not? Bring us why satisfaction. aren't you doing it? We're outside enjoying nature, and just there's something special about being able to move your body and be present. And when you find that, it, it's you know it's ineffable. There's no words to describe that feeling.
0: This one's going to blow you mm-hmm. away, you guys. Yeah. I mean, you got to hear the stuff that this guy's up to. <laughs> Brian Connors, much love. Thank you for coming on. And uh, we really feel like you guys are going to love this one. So uh, listen up. Here we go Two Fit Crazy in a Microphone Podcast. Enjoy. <laughs>
1: Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy And the microphone. We are where it's at.
0: Uh-huh, where it's at.
1: Where it's at. We're in New Jersey, and we're stuck here. That's where it's at. And uh, where we should actually be going on Monday, you know what? We did the next best thing. We brought in a guest who's in that location.
0: If you can't go to San Diego, you bring San Diego to you.
1: <laughs> Brian Connors, how are you? Good, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I had, a, uh, I had a husband who was like, you got to talk to Brian. I'm like, what are you talking about? You got to talk to Brian Connors. So my husband met you where, Brian? Um,
2: yeah, yeah. So uh, I know Mike's back from uh, our University of Maryland days, which is, gosh, it's hard to believe that's more than 20 years ago now. But um <laughs> <Brian. it's> crazy. <laughs> feel old. But yeah, yeah, more than 20 years ago. So uh, I was excited to, to watch the Terps in the basketball tournament. But apparently, um, uh, thanks to coronavirus, we, we won't be doing that this year. So I'll be watching on, on television,
1: I guess. Of all the years, right?
0: You guys yeah, are playing exactly. Well.
1: Yeah, fine. yeah. That's all right. Because if he goes, we actually just went um, to, I was down for a conference in Virginia. And we went and got tickets because my son said, Hey, I want to go to a real game. Because I guess my husband had been taking him to games that weren't real, um, like to see a real, you know, competition. So they, uh, you know, we were in there for Michigan. And um, they've only lost a few games this season. And two out of those few games, my husband and son have been there. So they are now banned um, going forward because they're the coolers. You call it quarantined, I think, Mm -hmm. nowadays. uh, Yeah. They're quarantined. Well,. Um, but yeah. needless to say, we were just down on the stomping grounds and, um, yeah. And, uh, I think that's freaking awesome how the world kind of works. And so my husband's like, you got to talk to Brian. So what, what the heck are you doing since you've left <laughs> the university of Maryland? Um, obviously we like, we pump health, fitness, whatever, but, um, you have kind of a, you have an interesting, you know, kind of story and what you're up to. So what's going on?
2: Yeah, well gosh, yeah, I think I definitely wasn't doing this in college. I was probably, probably playing a lot more beer pong and and things like that in, in my 20s. So this this definitely came after, but
1: It's um, mentally mentally have, it prepared you. The beer pong mentally prepared you for yeah, the dexterity yeah. and <laughs> fundamentals. You know, right.
2: Yeah, yeah, something. Well, it prepared me for the after party at least. So, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I just, I started in, in my late twenties and I, you know, it started out maybe with just, with just lifting weights and just going to the gym like every other guy in New Jersey probably. Um, and just doing that, but you know, after a while I started doing that for years and years and maybe after about 10, 12 years of that going every day, I, it just wasn't, I just wasn't very satisfied with it. It just, I felt like, I don't know, there was something more. Um, I still lift weights, you know, a few times a week and things like that. I still like it, but I was looking for something else. And so I decided to, you know, maybe give, give marathons a try. So having no idea, just started getting involved in, in some marathons. I think I've done uh, maybe three marathons or something once a year, starting about 12, 13 years ago. But um, yeah, since I, I, but even when I was doing marathons, I felt like that, that just wasn't it. And at the time I was in grad school and I was wondering you know, maybe Ironman. I think I saw it on, on television like a lot of people did and it kind of captivates you. They do a really good job with the broadcast and it's just the stories, the human interest stories are really great. So I started thinking about that. So once I I saw once I finished grad school, then that's it. You know, I think I think I want to start doing Iron Man. But I know the entry fees were expensive and I didn't have a bicycle and I didn't really know how to swim. So I was like, All right, well let's put this off until i get out of until i get out of grad school so that was that was the plan
1: i love the fact that you were like i saw it on tv and it <laughs> kind of looked fascinating <laughs> they seriously i mean you've done iron man so like it what's great is when i go back and watch it post iron man i'm like wow it's like a disney commercial it is it's like they romanticize it (laughs) they're like look at this person i'm like yeah no i know how that person feels right now it's like they're mile hundred on the bike and i'm like yeah they're um i know what's happening and what has happened and it's probably not good um I do relate to you not having a bike and not really knowing this whole swim thing and being like, "Yeah, I should do an Ironman. That's a great idea." So, have you always been that um, crazy? Because you're in good company over here with the crazies.
2: <laughs> right, right. No, and that's and, and I know it sounds it sounds strange, but I, I don't really feel like feel like it's crazy. Um, I guess you know for some of the, the listeners out there. So I, I've done um, 15 Ironmans in 15 days. Um, I've done doubles, triples, um, I've done the, uh, the triple crown of 200s, which I got into trail running a little bit last year and we can get into that. So I've, I've done some but it doesn't feel, I don't know. It just doesn't feel crazy to me. So it started out, I did my first Ironman, um, about six months after I'd finished grad school, like I mentioned before, and it was a little tiny, it wasn't even an Ironman brand. There was only 12 of us. It was in Corpus Christi, Texas. Swam in the, in the Gulf of Mexico, biked in Corpus Christi and over to Padre Island, and um, ran in, in Corpus Christi, and I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I really had no idea. I, I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the bike, which was, <laughs> which was great for my fuel, and I felt good, like I had energy, and the weather was perfect, but I got about 12 miles into the run, and I'd never had such incredible pain in my belly just like all those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches just got stuck in my, in my small intestine. And it was excruciating. I mean, I can't, the pain was incredible, but I just kept walking and just kept going. Cause I mean, what else, what else are you going to do? And unfortunately there wasn't any fans there. I mean, nobody cared that we were doing an Ironman that day. There was no one there. Um, but it was really just an incredible experience, but painful and, and pretty horrible the last, the last half of the run, which is how it goes. But I, you know, I felt like I did pretty well. And after I'd finished, you know, I I didn't know if I was going to do another Ironman or or anything. But I was like, you know, as the days gone by and the weeks gone by, I was like, yeah, I think I want to I want to give this a try. I want to I want to try to do some some more Ironmans, because before that I had only done one Olympic race and one half Ironman race. So I pretty much just jumped into doing Ironman, um, which, you know, a lot of people say isn't the right way to go. But I, I think I think it's fine. I think you can do it it's just, uh, there might be a steep learning curve and you might, uh, fail a lot, but you know, just went and and did it. And then that was about 2012. And then the next year, I think I did maybe three Ironmans that year and and a bunch of halves. And the next year I did four and a bunch of half Ironmans. And so then once I started doing several a year, I started thinking, you know, well, if I could do several a year, I could probably do, do a double Ironman, which is just twice the diff twice the distance. It'd be a 4.8 mile swim, a, a 224 mile bike, and then a double marathon. So 52.4. Uh, um, and then that, to me, that just seemed like the most crazy. It, it actually, that seemed crazy at the time. It did seem crazy. Um, because you had to mount, uh, you know, lights on your bicycle for, for biking into the night. You had to think about a headlamp for running through the night, all of these logistical things you had to, to think about that. You didn't have to think about in a regular Ironman. Um, so there was that part of it, and I trained way too much for it. I thought I needed to bike 170 miles to get ready for it, and run 35 mile training runs to get ready. But uh, I found out I, I did, and I did okay, um, but I, I found out that's probably too much. a little too much training. Um, Where was that event? Where did you do the double? So that was in oregon, just west about forty five minutes west of portland oregon it's a, a place called lake hag and they're actually doing the race again this year um, you can find it at u s a triathlon uh, i'm sorry um, ultra u s a ultra triathlon and they're doing it again this year and it's just um it's a great group of people everyone's really supportive of each other um it's uh, in a beautiful lake. So it's an easy swim. You're not swimming over each other. Like you do in, in an Ironman or larger events where I hate the swim. I mean, you're battling it out in the water. I feel like it's always it's never fun. I, it's I a can't swim fight. It. It's a swim fight. It totally is. And it's, it's just, you know, you, you're so used to swimming in a pool all the time by yourself and no one's touching you and swimming over you. And it's just you. And then you get, get into a race and it's you and two to 3000 friends swimming in the same space. And it's, it's never it's never easy it's always difficult, so um, yeah, so these these longer races are, are obviously a lot smaller, but they uh, they add a, a lot that I think uh, some of the shorter races
0: don't have
1: like what? <laughs> I know. I'm So here's – so I guess this is me. First the of all
0: – I love this. The shorter race is being Iron Man. Right.
1: Okay. So first well, – my first yeah. question, Brian, is this. How many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches did you eat on the bike? Like for real. Uh, like a bag of
0: cement. Yeah.
1: That's, that's I think I had about question. four, which is oh, my Brian. issue, right? Oh, I'm, I'm a bigger
2: guy. I'm, I'm 210 pounds, right? So I, I do need to up the calories, and right. I'm usually – I should be about five – maybe even 600, which is, which is a lot for an Ironman, five to 600 calories an hour, yeah.
0: um,
2: on the bike. Um, because if I don't, I get to, I get to the run and it's just, it's just, I'm in bonk city. It's really, it could, it's bad news. And if you've ever bonked really hard, it is, you feel like you're going to die. It's, it's no joke. It's, it's a horrible, horrible feeling. So you don't, I try to avoid that. And, um, so I, I overate on the bike and just didn't know any better. And, uh, yeah. Um, just a bad idea on that
1: one All right. i was just curious because i'm thinking you know how many sandwiches does it take to you know just for our listeners out there and and i mean you were you were ahead of me because when i did my ironman i had never i had never really raced or been on a like a tri bike or anything and nor had i done any sort of you know pre-racing it was just like hey i'm gonna do an ironman <laughs> this up. is gonna happen yeah <laughs> Or and I'm gonna finish it, and that's just the way it is. And you know, doing I'm sitting here thinking like you know, doing a double, like you said with training, I think that's really important, a conversation to have because a lot of people think, and I tell people all the time that are you know marathon running, they think they need to go out and run like more is like better. three twenty mile runs or this and that, and I'm like, well, no, 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 you'll. You'll do it. Your body will do it mentally. You will you know, you go along with everybody else. And I think the same is, is true and really important that you want your body, if you're going to break down your body, break it down on that course that day as opposed to that pounding over and over again that you're taking, you know, in training. So what did, uh, how did that work out for you? Are you, are you trying yeah, to last now or I, I, what?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I had a triathlon coach probably for, and I was doing triathlon. And I still am pretty much year round. Um, and for the first, gosh, six years, I think I had a triathlon coach and triathlon program every day, you know, it comes in your email box or something like that, the workouts you are to do. And triathlon, it's a little bit more complicated because you have three sports you need to, to balance. Um, but, you know, over these past, gosh, now what, eight years I've been doing this, uh, I've learned a lot about my body and I know myself pretty well. And um, I don't have a coach and I don't I don't have a training plan just because I, I don't really wanna be held to work out if I don't feel like I need to be doing it or I just I don't feel up for it or maybe I'm getting a little sick, something's happening. And then I feel like I'm obligated to do it. If I have a coach and I have a training plan, I feel like it's there, I gotta do it. And if I don't do it, then I'm not gonna do well in the race. And then it creates this whole anxiety and, 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 and just stress on your brain that I don't think you really need. So I just go back to how I feel. I generally know how training plans get ramped up and 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 recovery weeks and things like that. So I, I've learned that over the years, but you know that's just through experience. And the same thing when you do anything from a double distance to to 15 Ironman distance, um, you know more training is de- like you say is definitely, especially with running, more training is definitely is not better. Um, you just need to the shorter stuff. You need to. Work on some hills. So just, you know, doing short hill work, doing, going out to the track and doing sprints, um, whether that's a quarter mile, half mile, mile, whatever it is, and going there and doing, that's the, that's the important stuff is doing that. And then when you do go out for a long run, it's not just a slog. You're not, okay, I'm training for a marathon. So my longest run is going to be 21 miles and then just going and running 21 miles. You know, even that should have, should have some structure to it, whether you're starting off a little bit slower and ending a little slower and then you have some, speed work in between. But, you know, usually the long, the long stuff, there's not a lot of that. It should be a lot of shorter stuff because it's hard on your body. Um, part of the reason I do this long stuff is I've somehow I've never had an injury ever. It's the, it's the strangest thing. And that's probably why I do this stuff is because I've never had, I've had muscle soreness obviously and things like that, but I've never had what I would call an injury or anything that kept me from a race or anything that's even kept me from a single workout. It's like, uh, it's really odd and it's strange. Whereas my wife, you know, she has issues with hip flexors and it band and this and that. And it's, it's tough to try to train through that when you go into pain and then you want to work out when you're hurt and then you have to stop working out and change it. So it creates this whole nother thing. So I think part of the training is, um, is staying away from injury, but I've been lucky enough that I've somehow I've never had anything happen to me.
0: Yeah. Those, those, I mean, that overuse stuff, it's, you know, we're in it and we do it and, and, you know, and you never know when it's going to pop up. And I'm, I always say like every two years, I'm going to have something that's going to keep me out for like, you know, 20 days or so. And I just need to like relax, let it simmer down or whatever. Um, you know, and you know, luckily you've, you've been able to avoid it. Do you think that that's, uh, you know, because of the three disciplines and if, you know, if you're a little banged up on one, you can kind of focus on another for the time being, or do you think that, um. Uh, You know, it's, it's just a a better, uh, you know, an instance of you managing it better.
2: Yeah. You know, it just might be, it might be genetics. I'm sure that's a huge, that's a huge part of it. Also could be the gym. Like I mentioned, I still try I still go every, every other day and I lift weights, but in between sets I stretch. So it's, I'll do pull-ups and then some type of, of lat stretch. Or I'll do rows and then I'll do a quad stretch. And then I just do that throughout the whole workout. So instead of just sitting and yeah. kind of looking through Facebook on my phone, I'm actually, you know, I, I feel like I'm actually doing something and a lot of it's my back too. A lot of, um, um, different back exercises because when you're on a triathlon bike and you're sitting in that position, I mean, it's, it's rough on your neck. It's rough on your low back. It's rough on your hamstrings. So I feel like that helps too. And I don't, I don't lift super heavy. I'm not no. throwing weights around, but it's just, I, I do it. I enjoy it. I feel like I get a good stretch out of it. And I feel like that's, that's gotta play. That's gotta play a part in what's been keeping me healthy. I don't really know. I don't really eat the best. Um, to be honest, I would like to, but I don't particularly care for salads. And when you consume as many calories, you know, when you do this, a lot of this long stuff, if you do, it's like, well, I can eat a salad, but I mean, 200 calories really is not going to be cutting it for me here. You know, like I need, just a lot of food and I don't have a chef and you know, it's just, it's the logistics. It takes time to cook all this food, the logistics of all that. So trying to balance. So it's, I don't think it's too much on least for me has been nutrition. Um, So I don't know. I just, I've been very, very lucky.
0: You know what? I think you, I think you hit it. I mean, the strength training for endurance athletes is something that's often overlooked. Uh, it's something that I do a, a lot of work with with working with with kids and and not even endurance like like you're doing like even just the high school runner and 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 things like that just getting the body strong and and you know it, it's endurance so making the body durable and able to endure uh you know it's it's a, it's an important part of it that's often overlooked I mean I'm I'm a one trick pony I'm a runner. So I mm-hmm. don't swim and bike. Uh, you know I swim, Yet. but yeah. Well, uh, I always say I'm not much of a swimmer, and my bicycle has a baby seat on it. Oh my god! Uh, but <laughs> um, maybe I could put some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in that back seat. <laughs> but uh, um, but it's often overlooked. The runners run. You know they, they they just run. They they don't see you know the the time or you know the triathletes. They're so focused on. All, I mean, there's a lot of training to be done with the swim, bike, and the run that they. They don't, you know, have time or they don't see that they have time for, you know, the strength stuff. So they just, they bypass it. And I think that if they, you know, by doing some of it, it's just going to help you like just long run, just avoiding those little uh, nagging things that that pop up, you know, just getting the body ready and the muscles stronger just to endure it.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, a lot of, and a lot of training plans have these things called like recovery runs or recovery bikes recovery swims they're really low intensity just just sort of getting out on the bike or getting the swim and just and just moving around and i think a lot of times you can ditch those exercises they're really not that important and it's probably more important for you to get into the gym and do some stretching with bands do some it's very light strength work when i do squats i mean i'm talking about body weight squats you know what i mean i'm not squatting with an enormous amount of weight and you don't need that i'm just looking to go through the range of motion activate some of those muscles that don't ever really get activated in triathlon and just and just go through that and just get myself a little bit more flexible and it's it's very easy. It's not heavy stuff. It's relatively easy. And I think that's way more important than doing some of these, some of these, what they call recovery, uh, workouts. I think the the strength training is where it should be.
0: All right. All right. Let's get into some of these events. All right. I mean, you, you (laughs) dropped it. You you just threw casually throughout 15 and 15 and some 200, uh, you know, 200 miles circuit endurance stuff. Let's go. What's uh I'm tell, intrigued. let's go with the fifteen and fifteen. Yeah, tell us about there. that experience.
2: Yeah, you know, I, so I had done before that, let's see, I had done a, a double in about oh, I don't know, maybe twenty fifteen, and that's when I was hooked. I was you know, I was on the bike, it's a long bike, and it was maybe eleven o'clock, ten o'clock at night. It was getting dark, and I'm climbing this this hill, and it's a beautiful course, and I can see over the lake, and I could see what they call the Ann Village. It's it's an Annville village. Um, and I can see that's where all the people set up and all the cars are and the aid stations and stuff. And I can just see it. And it was just it was lit up and everything else was dark. The moon was out. It was just perfectly silent except from the gears of my bike, like in my breath. And it just felt like, you know, the world could be ending, but it's just, it's just sort of me and my bike at night in the dark, no other athletes around. Um, and it was just, it was just such, a, it was like a, like a life changing, like, just hit my soul. I don't know how to explain it. It's just hit something deep inside. And that's when I knew I was hooked on the double. So I did that. absolutely loved it. Um, it was such a, such a great experience. And then the next year I thought, you know, if I could do a double, let me try a triple. So the format is instead of doing, you know, a 4.8 mile swim, then it's a 7.2 mile swim, a 336 bike, and then a, a triple marathon. So obviously it's, it's one more Ironman longer. But I went out to, to Virginia, um, out near, uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia and did that. And you know, I just had another great experience. I ended up running, I came in second, but the guy who won, I ended up running with him for 12 hours. We just found, talked to each other. Uh, he's from, he's from Guatemala. Uh, Juan Carlos, if you're listening. And, um, we just had, it was, it was just so great. We're, we're just helping each other and keeping each other company and talking and, and keeping each other awake too, because uh, I finished in about 40 46 hours, and I hadn't slept. Like I don't usually like to nap unless it's longer than probably 50 hours. So just going through and just staying up and just running through that and just going through it was such such an amazing experience. I guess that's another thing I'm lucky. For some reason, I don't get sleepy tired during these races. Like my body's tired, and yeah, you're you're fatigued. But I don't feel like, oh, my God, I need to sleep right now. And I know some people get that for, for whatever reason. It's just the way that I am. So I'm fortunate enough that I could stay up for like a really long amount of time without getting that sleepy, really bad feeling. And when we get to the 200-milers, I'll talk more about the sleep things. But um, in that race, it was really great. So I did the triple, and I was like, you know what? If I could do this triple, they're planning an event the next year. It was 10 Ironmans in 10 days. It's called the Decaman, decamanusa.com. And I was like, that was out right outside on out of New Orleans, Lake Pontchartrain. And we were familiar with that area out there, right on the North Shore. And it was 10, and I was getting ready to do 10 Ironman. So I was basically doing Ironman training is, is what I was doing. It was just a ton of volume, but this time it was not a lot of speed work. It was just time on my feet because I knew every day the race starts at 7 a.m. You got to be in the lake, and you have to finish the race by 7 a.m. the next day. Now, if you do that, if you do that, it takes 24 hours. You obviously didn't sleep. So that, that, that next day is not going to go very well for you. And it's, it's usually game over. You're going to, you're not going to finish because you just hadn't slept and it's just, it's too much. So the idea is to, to finish fast enough that you get a decent amount of sleep, but not so fast that you bury yourself for the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Right. So you're, you have to kind of
0: balance that. Yeah. Speed. You're like walking a the tightrope there.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's weather too. So a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we do these things outside. Right. So, I mean, it rains, um, and it thunderstorms and especially for that race, you know, it, it did, but getting back to the, to the training is, so that's how I approached it, it was just a, a ton of long stuff. Like I was doing Ironman. So every week was a 20 hour week, but just relatively easy pace, just time on the feet, time on the butt, time in, in the pool. But as I was getting ready for that, I, uh, I scheduled my own triple Ironman which was my first um, one a day, so I did uh, an Ironman on Friday, an Ironman on Saturday, an Ironman on Sunday, just at home. I went up uh, and swam in the in the in the bay up here, and then biked on the bike path we have here, and then ran around. Right, and I, I just had my wife support me, you know, whenever she could, she'd drop like McDonald's and Starbucks and stuff off, and uh, I would just eat it. But I needed to do that because all my races before that had been continuous, so that meant you did all the swims, all the bikes, all the runs. This is the first time that I started doing it where it was an Ironman on day one, an Ironman on day two, an Ironman on day three, which messes, it kind of messes with your head because when you get up on day two, after you just done an Ironman the day before and you get up at six o'clock in the morning, it is probably one of the worst feelings I've ever had where you are like, I have to do that again today and I am so tired and my legs hurt so bad. But you just, you just, you know, there is, it's like Yoda. What did Yoda say? Something like there is no how only do, right? <laughs> like, like, what's my choice? I just, yeah, my legs hurt. Yeah. I'm really tired, but I just get up, get in the car, drive to the bay and just start swimming and just take care of that and, and just go. So I, so I did the triple at home. And then once I did that, I was, I was really, really confident that I could do the 10, the uh, one Ironman a day for 10 days. So I asked the race organizer, and I said, hey, if I get there five days early, can I do five Ironmans on my own and then pick up the race, uh, which would be my day six, but would be the race's day one, and then do the next 10 with you know do- for the race? And yeah, they said, yeah, go for it. So I got there uh, about a week early before the race and did my five self-supported Ironmans. And then, and then met up with everyone on my day six. And then we, uh, we all suffered together for the next 10 days.
1: You're awesome. That sounds, I know
2: that sounds, <laughs> when I say it, that sounds crazy. When, when I say it myself that I, we did a self-supported,
1: no, uh, my, no, you know, my awesome. wife was
2: amazing. You know, she supported, she helped me. Um, I mean, it rained, we had weather, we had mosquitoes in Louisiana in October. Aren't great. Let me tell you, um, <laughs> It, it was it was something it was incredible um but it was such what what, a, what an experience i mean that was that was something
0: uh, yeah i just you know just the thought you know what i you know tennis great but what I, what I really want to do is get there a little early and get some work in prior to. I mean, it's just it, it, it you know, as you're typing that email, I imagine that uh, <laughs> that, you know, that that you're just thinking about. Okay, I'm gonna do this now, and uh, here you go, and then they have them say, Yeah, sure, go ahead, no problem. You know, it's 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 funny, man. Your you're wife's <laughs> got to
1: be awesome. Does I know. Does I mean, she do this stuff too? The,
2: um. Yeah. So we did our first Ironman together a couple maybe it's a couple of years ago now, um, Challenge Roth in, in Germany, which is one of the most amazing triathlons in the world. So we were able to do that one together, yeah. But um, she, does, she doesn't do as many or as much as I do, I guess.
1: Wow. You know what's funny? I keep thinking, like, I wonder, like, why my husband let me talk to you. Because <laughs> the ideas that are going through my head right now, I'm like, you know what's funny is that as much as I wanted, I want to say this, that – I love running marathons. I hate 5Ks. I can run a marathon and feel great after. 5K, I feel like garbage. An Ironman, I actually feel better the next day after an Ironman than I do a marathon. marathon. And it goes, it kind of goes from there. And it's interesting um, because even the the last Ironman I did, I'm like, the next day everyone's like, how are you feeling? Are you tired? I'm like, no, I feel fine. Like, let's go for a walk. Let's go do something. Or, you know, I could have easily, you know, gone out for a jog or bike ride or swim because I think you get to the point, and maybe this is me being also crazy like you, but you're a little, you know, you've done a little more than (laughs) I have at this point. Is that there's a point where an Ironman is not a sprint, it's really just a test of mental and physical longevity, is what I really think of it as. If you can survive being on the bike for that amount of time, and having your mind not give up. Really, I always think of the Ironman. It's like, really, you're just swimming. It doesn't have to be a sprint. You're right. Really, you're just pedaling a bicycle. Enduring. It really, it's it's just one foot in front of the other. You're not sprinting. I'm not running a five-minute mile on an Ironman. It's just really slow and steady wins the race on that. No, could win the race a little faster. But it's almost like you have to pace yourself. And that pacing is what a lot of people find so difficult because it's always this race and it's i think you know it's it's frightening to think about but i'm like yeah i could yeah i could see how you could do 15 because it's really you knowing your body you staying healthy knowing your hydration and your fuel and saying all right really this is what i have to accomplish today and breaking it up into digestible parts your swim your bike you know your run um i i'm super impressed and i think it's you know again more of it Not just physically, Brian. I think, but just mentally, having that ability to say this is my focus. So, how's so? What do you do for work, by the way? That's my next question.
2: (laughs) What do I do for work? um, I'm a trophy husband, actually. That's fantastic. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Um, No, I I own. uh, We do um, government contracting. So, I'm a government contracting business. So, for the Department of Defense, VA, physical therapists, athletic trainers, uh, massage therapists. we do that, and we also do online um, counseling training as well in a, in a different business. So, um, yeah, just keeping busy with with those two things.
1: I'm just making sure that you know you're not getting fired from your jobs from all this uh, all this <laughs> well, training, which is you know always.
2: Yeah, like... no, and that was the reason that I did the the, f- the fifteen is because I knew I could I knew I could do ten, but the thing was, when in my life I'm, am I going to take you know, essentially three weeks off and not do any work because I'm just so, I can't do work during these things pretty right. much. You know, when can I do this? And there was a time last year where we didn't have a lot of government contracts and we actually won our first big one when I was doing the race. Um, but there, it was a time that I could actually do it this year. You know, they're actually doing 30 Ironmans in 30 days this year in the same location that I had done it in, in 2018. Um, but you know, I, 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 I Believe me, I want to do it, but I hear it in your voice. you like, yeah, but you know, I just, I can't. I just, you know, I do have to work and I, I can't. And my wife, she'll want to be there for every single day because she's worried about me and wants me to do well. So she'll want to be there. And, and at this point, we just can't. So, right. Yeah. Life, life gets in the way. Work gets in the way. These things. And, um, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do that a couple of years ago. So, but, um, I'm really happy. So hopefully maybe in the next couple of years, they'll do another really long, long race. And then if they do, I will, I'll definitely be there. That's so
0: great.
1: I can't yeah. wait to to race with Brian at some point. <laughs> get back into this. We'll be in touch. Don't you worry.
0: Yeah, that's 30 for 30, Christine. What? We'll get you on that 30 days, 30 and 30 days. Oh. I'll yeah. be there every step of the way. PB and J's. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, it's in it's in November. It's in the North Shore of Lake Pontchartrain. Uh, there's going to be there's a lot of people doing it. They're doing it every distance from one to to thirty. So it's uh, it's like a festival of okay. of craziness. Yeah, a,
1: f- a festival of craziness. <laughs> Why are we not there? Why are the two free crazies not just camped out there? You know, but but they
2: are all norm- we all are relatively normal people with normal jobs. There's gosh, there's professors. There's CPAs there's a uh, construction. I mean, there's Everything. a lot of these professions. Yeah, there is. And it's not just like wealthy people or people who are, don't have to work. I mean, they find a way to make it
0: mm-hmm.
2: fit in their lifestyle. Uh, either they front end the, the work at the beginning part of the year, if they can do that. Um, they, they, they find a way to make it work. And they're just average people. If you looked at them, you'd be like, Oh wow, that guy does 30 Ironmans in 30 days. No, you'd have no idea. It just, just they're really just average, average people who, Enjoy going long.
0: I think, and, that, and and you nailed it before when, when you said it satisfies satisfaction right. for your soul. You know, it's like these people are like, yeah, I gotta get all this stuff in so that I can be there for that because it's that's what I want.
1: It's your therapy.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's such yeah. It's hard to describe when something you know touches you like that and it's so it's so meaningful deep down into your soul. You know, it, it's just it's just a special thing. So you tend to create a, a life or a lifestyle that'll enable you to be able to do this long stuff. You know, you leave the corporate job and you start freelancing or you start consulting, you know, something where you can work on your own time and on weekends and, you know, working a lot more in the off season and then you can be able to do this because it's so, it's so meaningful. Um, it's just, uh, it's, we just love it.
1: And if I don't move, you don't want to be around me. <laughs> <laughs> Michael has kicked me out of the house before, and saying, "Go run, go get out, uh, go run." Yeah. You know, uh, things happen. You know, don't come back until you're you've exercised your demons out. It, literally,
0: they the exercise them. Mm-hmm. Oh my! There God. you go. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, all right, let's move on here. Two uh, two hundred mile the two hundred milers. Is that the just the running events? Straight up. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, um, I so I did the fifteen, fifteen, and that and that was in what, November of 2018. And then I don't really try to think about what I'm doing the next year until maybe January. So it's January 2019. And I was like, you know, I think I want to try trail running. You know, when I lived in, in Salt Lake City, it was amazing. And I really got into trail running there and just loved it. I but I didn't do any races or anything. I just liked doing my long runs out, out in the woods. So I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if you could run around Lake Tahoe. I mean, is that a thing that exists? I looked online and, and it is. It's called the, the Tahoe 200. Essentially, it's a big, uh, usually counterclockwise loop around Lake Tahoe, and I was like, ah, oh, that sounds beautiful and amazing. So I had I had an Ironman lined up for that May, but I said, you know, once I'm done with that Ironman in May, then I'm gonna do I'm gonna do that in September. But unfortunately, that race felled out like pretty much the day of or a couple days after it opens. Everyone wants to do Tahoe 200 just because. Tahoe is awesome and, and it'd be a great place to, to run, right? But it was sold out. So I was like, well, crap, what am I going to do now? But I noticed on the bottom of the, the website, it said, hey, if you sign up for the Bigfoot 200 and the Moab 240, we'll give you entry or you can pay for entry into the Tahoe 200. So you had to do something called the Triple Crown, so I was like, oh, now that's really interesting. So you had to do a 200 miler in August, a 200 miler in September, and then a 240 miler in October. And I was like, that sounds really hard and <laughs> kind of insane, and I'm not a trail runner and I have no idea what I'm doing. But I find, I, just, I, so I just signed up and said, you know, after the Ironman in the first week of May, then all of my training, no more swimming, no more biking, I'm just going to spend a lot of time on my feet getting ready for these really long trail runs, which are logistically are, are tough. If you don't know what you're doing in in a long distance, it's really hard. Like, what do you carry? What do you, uh, eat? I mean, all of these things I live in San Diego where I live is not the hilliest place in the world. So I had to go find some Hills to run. And it was, uh, Gosh, yeah. It was scary going into it. I gave myself probably a 50-50 chance of finishing the Triple Crown. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy
0: experience. And out of 50-50, how did you do?
2: Well, uh, Bigfoot was a big slap in the face. <laughs> um, you know, I got there the first night. It rained, severe thunderstorms, very, very cold. I didn't even know it could thunderstorm when it was that cold, but apparently it, <laughs> apparently it can, right? Yes. So I'm running through this torrential downpour, and I had no rain gear because, again, I don't know what I'm doing. I thought, hey, if it rains in, in Washington State in the summer, it's probably going to be like a light rain or a passing rain, um, and it usually doesn't rain much there in the summer anyway, right? It's, it's usually every other time of year it rains right. there. Well, I was wrong. No, and it rained really hard. Soaking rain. and yeah, and I got in a, in a lot of trouble. I was a good 10 miles from the nearest aid station, and I was shivering, very cold. Uh, my headlamp wasn't working because it was raining so hard, it just wasn't strong enough. So I couldn't see where I was going to see where the markers are. Um, I started getting really worried about my, about my safety. And it was it was a terrible experience. Luckily, uh, it's another good group of people. A runner came up behind me. You know, he gave me his. I had a solar blanket. He gave me another solar blanket, and I wrapped it around my waist like a skirt, and then wrapped the other one around me to help keep me warm. But really, the only thing you could keep doing, and this goes back to the triathlon, is is keep moving. Uh, you can't stay there because I'm gonna I'm gonna get hypothermia. It's, it's this is a dangerous situation. It's the middle of the night. I'm miles away from any civilization. It was really a dangerous situation. So the only thing we keep doing is keep moving. Um, and then that's what we did. Um, I But I started getting a little bit of hypothermia maybe. I don't know. I went through all of my food really quick. I started getting super hungry. And so I started eating all my food. And then I ran out of food. Um, and then I had start, whenever I'd see another athlete come by, which wasn't that often, I'd ask them for food. And let me tell you, it was a, it was a, it was a struggle. It was, uh, it was probably the scariest moment, uh, of my life up into, up until Tahoe. It was one of those things where you really think you could die out there because no one's coming to save you for, you know, if you get lost out there, it's really cold. And I was super unprepared. It was a big, big mistake. It was a terrible mistake. And, um, you know, I learned my lesson. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing, and I, I learned my, my lesson the hard way. So eventually I did finish that segment and, and make it to the aid station. Unfortunately, all of my clothes were in that rain, and they were left outside. So I just kept the same soaking wet clothes on for the next, uh, I think, probably 18 hours or something. But I ended up somehow managing getting through. I had my crew showed up at about, about mile 120 and then, and then did the, the last 80 miles with me. Um, but I learned hardcore about hallucinations, um, and they are like no joke. I mean, there's, I saw people, I could, I constantly saw people cause I hardly slept. I really didn't sleep well that second night. So I, out of the four days, I think I only slept maybe, maybe four hours, three hours, maybe. And, um, the hallucinations, they weren't like, so I was seeing people for me, it was people that I would see that weren't existing, but I knew that I was hallucinating so it wasn't too much of an issue because I could say, "Oh yeah, I'm hallucinating. I know those people aren't playing catch with baseball over there." <laughs> so I'd say to my to my crew, I'd be like, "Hey," I said, "I see." You know, just play games. They're Like, yeah, there's two those guys over there playing baseball. But yeah, I see those people over there climbing the trees. I said, "I know they're not there, but I see them," which is a really, it's creepy and it's really weird. But uh, they weren't coming after me or chasing me, and right? so it wasn't really scary. It was just like, this is what hallucinating is like, and. <laughs> I got, you know, got a good crash course on that as well. It was, it was wild, but I, yeah, I did finish Bigfoot 200, um, about six hours before the cutoff. So that was, that was incredible, but only three weeks later I had to get ready for Tahoe and, um, yeah, so I didn't have much time to recover. (laughs) Unfortunately, during that race, that is a very dusty race and the elevation of Tahoe is much higher. Um, even in the, the first night I started getting, um, it wasn't so much acute mountain sickness because I still had an appetite. I didn't have a headache. I didn't have a lot of that stuff. What I was experiencing was more of the, um, the high altitude pulmonary edema. I was getting a very, um, very, very thick mucus in my lungs. Um, and wheezing that wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't come out. It just would stay in there. So it made it really hard to breathe. Um, and I was able to push through and made it all the way to the last, the last, uh, second to last segment of the last night. And that was, that was the scariest point. Um, because I, I shouldn't have gone on that segment, but I thought I could do it, but we were up over ten thousand feet and it had snowed the day before, so we had run through the snow and this is September in Tahoe, but I mean it was cold, it was in the twenties. Um cold air combined with exertion, combined with elevation and the the pulmonary edema was getting really, really bad. Frothy, thick mucus. Um and, but the only thing, you know, once we had gone, let's say 10 miles into the segment, you couldn't really turn around, right? You want to just keep moving forward. Unfortunately, o- Ford was just up and up and up and up <laughs> through the night, which just made it, made it worse. And my poor crew member, she was freezing. Her feet were so cold, but I could only take a few steps before stopping. Um, eventually I, I hit my emergency beacon on my shoulder to call race support because I mean, I wasn't bad. I want All I wanted to do was just lie down in the snow and like in a ball and just, the exhaustion combined with not being able to breathe the, the mental, it was, it was, it was such a horrible, horrible experience, but I hit the uh, emergency beacon. No one, no one came. I'm not even sure if they're ever alerted when I hit it, I just hit it and then just kept walking saying, okay, they're going to come on a, you know, something. Right. But um, no, no one, no one ever came. So unfortunately I, I, I made it through the night and the sun came up and as soon as the sun came up on the pass and made it a little bit warmer. Um, I just laid down and I instantly like, you know, I instantly went to sleep. Um, I was completely physically and mentally absolutely done. Um, maybe about 15 minutes later, the race, race support showed up. And then they, they, um, my crew member carried me about five miles down the mountain, um, to, to medical. And it was, uh, it wasn't bad. It was bad. It was really bad shape. I mean, I couldn't, they, they physically carried me, which I don't know how she did it. Um, I don't, she did it. And then my other buddy came and then they just, they just carried me and it was just un unbelievable, um, terrible experience. But you know, I, I, uh, I did some things wrong. So I had Moab was three weeks later. I signed up, I paid for it. <laughs> so I got to do it. Right. So I, uh, I recovered from that. What well, I didn't completely recover. My lungs still had some stuff in them, but, Went and did Moab. I knew the elevation was a little bit better at Moab and it was going to be a little bit warmer at Moab. And I rented an RV. So instead of sleeping in the freezing cold at aid stations or or resting, you know, for a few minutes at an aid station in freezing cold, we had an RV that was warm. So once I could get into the RV, I could cough and and clear my lungs of all this junk that was in there. And it's kind of gross, but the consistency of my mucus was like calamari. It was like almost like it was, it was like solid. like almost like a solid. Yeah, it was extremely thick and, ex- and a ton of it. And I would cough and I would get it out, warm up the lungs. And then I was able to to, to move forward much better than I was in Tahoe. And um, even actually the elevation of Moab actually does even get higher than than Tahoe did, especially on that last day. You're over 10,000 feet for for a long time. But I had learned my lessons in Tahoe and I knew what to change when it came to Moab. And I did that and I finished, oh, maybe – nine, 10 hours, I had kind of had the cutoff, and there's plenty of, plenty of time, and enjoyed it, you know, I had to do segments with my wife, who, who was my crew for a couple segments, and had some great crew members fly in, so, uh, yeah, a huge thanks to, to my crew members, I mean, these people flew from across the country, and the only thing they get is, like, is sleepless nights, terrible food, uh, exhaustion, and all these things for nothing, they don't get a medal, they, they get no recognition, you know, and it's just such a selfless, Act, that they that the only thing was to get me to the finish line that's the only thing that they cared about and yeah, they they did. get the satisfaction
0: of being part of that like Dude, they Brian, like you they, and
1: I would like flaunt second yeah, no, like, like like I, would,
0: yeah I'm, I consider us in for crewing seriously uh, you know it's, on our yeah, list. it's awesome uh, because you get to be in that you get to be mm-hmm. surrounded by that and you know and get to kind of live vicariously through you doing the heavy lifting And, you know, I I get that, that, you know, there's, there's satisfaction to be had there.
1: The suffering is the, I know that sounds awful, but the suffering is what it almost makes you thrive. And it's hard, like Brian, you were talking about this before that it's hard to explain what it's like when you are in that moment on a race, you don't know if you could finish, you don't know if you could do it, you're, and you just persevere. And that in and of itself, like you have these moments, I know whenever, whenever I get to the very end of a race, like the last, I know it's like the last 15 minutes or something I'm going to be done. And usually whatever it is, like, you're not feeling as, you know, as frisky as you were when you started. But I always think to myself, like, you only have 15 minutes more of this. And maybe you're hurting, but you got to enjoy this, like enjoy this suffering. And it's so bizarre and it's hard to explain. And people are like, Christine, why do you do these things? And I'm, you know, like you're doing things that are just much more monumental, but it's the same idea. Why are you doing such tough things? And unless you go through them, it's hard to explain. I can't explain that to someone who's never felt that before.
2: Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's, and when I think of tile, I don't think of getting carried off the mountain and I don't think of not being able to breathe. I think of, you know, I had a really bad third night and I got up in the morning and I yelled at my crew member, like um, emotional lability. Like you you hadn't, you're not sleeping. You're not thinking, right. I yelled at her. And then 10 minutes later, I started bawling and crying, like, because I'd been in such misery for like your emotions and things. You're just so out of whack, you know, and it was just such a horrible day going with that but i think back to after that segment we got to trek it started snowing we had six inches of snow that day but we got to we were just moving and i prepared this time like i didn't for bigfoot and we moved through the snow and just being in september in tahoe with the snow on the trees and the lakes and doing all that stuff and getting these beautiful views of tahoe i mean that's that's what i remember you know i mean yeah the other stuff comes with it but that's not like oh that whole experience was so terrible i think of you know the, the friends that I made there and the friends that crewed with me, and I think of those those are the moments and Moab I mean if you've ever been to to, to Utah, southern Utah i mean I, I don't think of how tough and how bad my feet hurt and all the other things that went along with it. I mean Moab, just the sunrise and Moab coming up over those rocks, the sunsets it's it's like another world you're right. on Mars yeah and you go- and you get to do this you know because you have the ability you know you're born in this country and you have this physical ability, you don't have any physical limitations, and you can do this, I'm just so grateful that I'm born in a country, and in a time, and have the physical ability to do this, like, I, I feel like, like, I almost, like, owe it to myself, just being as lucky as I am, being in the time, and the place that I am, because a lot of people aren't, and, and I just feel like, you know, I just feel like the opportunity, I'm just so grateful to have it, it's just, Um, I don't know. I don't feel obligated so much to do it, but it's just, I, it's not, I don't have to do a swim today. I don't have to do a swim and a bike today. I have the opportunity. I get to do a swim and a bike today. And how many people around the world have that opportunity to say, you know, I'm going to go swim in a, in a nice 50 meter pool today or, or, you know, get on my super expensive bike and ride. I mean, how many people do that? You're just, I feel like I'm just so grateful that I can do this and I've been blessed. You know, physically a lot of people have limitations, no fault of their own, and you know, can't they can't do these things. And I just feel like I just, just we're so lucky that we get to do these things, you know.
1: We were just at career day yesterday and I said to the kids or we were we were doing this presentation and I said to the kids, I'm like, you know what, you've gotta find something in life where instead of saying, I have to do this today, get up and be like, I get to do this today. Oh, absolutely. What is that thing when you flip the switch and say you know what? If if you have to keep saying I have to, then you're doing the wrong things.
2: Right, right. You know, there's there's swim. I'm not a big swimming fan, but some days, you know, some days I know I have to swim in order to to do the time that I want to do in these races. But it's usually not a have to. It's usually I get to, and then once you get there, it's usually it's usually fine, right? It's just it's just about that mindset. Not everything has to be your favorite. I mean, that's that's you can't go through life with everything being your favorite. But you know, you you. you twist it around a little bit in your brain and you're like, yeah, I have to do it. But look, Oh my gosh, I'm so lucky. I even get to do this. I mean, this is a great thing that I have here, you know? So it's just being mentally being in that space of, of I was just being grateful. And, and it's not just, and another thing I wanted to mention, it's not just about the race. So, you know, I'm doing um, let's see, Ironman Utah is coming up in, in May and it may or may not be canceled with this whole virus thing going on. I don't know, but you know, the problem is, is I think when we, we ramp ourselves up for a marathon or an Ironman or something and we're so focused on that, focused on that. And if something were to happen during that race, you were to get a flat tire, um, I don't know, your your goggles get water in them on the swim, people tend to freak out because every single day before that for the previous six months has been focused on that day, on that moment. And it creates this enormous moment which in the scheme of things, means absolutely nothing. No one really cares about your time. No one really even cares if you finish, let's be honest. Like No one really cares, right? You do a little bit, but no one really does. But we put so much pressure on that moment in that race. Whereas when I look back at the training for like the Triple Crown or the 15, I look back at those days that I got to run outside and I got to go to this park around here that I never went to, that I got to run. Or we were traveling and I swam in this pool, maybe at a hotel or something that was really different or I got to do this really cool run in Vegas uh, at Red Rocks that I never knew existed, but I, I knew existed because I was training for a race. You get to do these other things, you know, and it's not just about that day because if it's about that day and that day doesn't go well, it it destroys people. They are depressed and it really destroys people. Um, and there's more days. There's another, there'll always be another race. Yeah. There was a lot riding on that or not riding on it. There was a lot you are planning for and, and hoping to do in that race, but really how you finish is, Almost, unless you're professional and you get paid for this, it's almost meaningless how you
0: do. Absolutely, yeah. Th- those expectations can weigh heavy on you if you make them, you know, uh, so heavy. I, I, I just love all this, man. I, I'm listening to you, and I think you said grateful and gratitude, you know, 15 times, and and you can hear and that, the passion. And that's it. I mean, and that's it's like we we have this this thing that ignites our soul, and and you know, you get so much satisfaction out of doing it, and hearing you speak about it. You know it it in turn lights my passion and and ignites my soul, and I get to you know it's like now we're like a part of it too, and it's just you know it's a it's a tractor beam of uh you know you're just sucking us in man and and uh we love everything about it it's fantastic,
2: oh great, thank you yeah, I love talking about it I love sharing I wish it was my profession too it's really <laughs> it's not, but I wish I could do it all the time
1: <laughs> well. Wow. Uh, I think there may be some place for you to do that. I'm <laughs> not gonna lie that you could make that happen, and uh, you know, get into that get into that realm of you know Brian and I left our you know professions, and we uh you know we podcast, we give people voices, we want to inspire people around the world, and um, whether it be fitness or you know again endurance athletes or nutrition or what you name it, um it's been a you know it's been a crazy ride, but just. You know, the more you talk about it, the more you put yourself out there, the more opportunities are going to come and you just never know. Brian, you, I don't know. You may be the next, you know, biggest coach and whatnot one day and we'll be coming to you and, you know. You better write a book about right. all your stuff, though, by the way. All those races and everything. That's pretty – I'd read it. I'm throwing that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Little, oh gosh yeah so thank that, you how that about that are, are
0: that. you writing are you blogging Are you doing anything are you, are you recording any of your thoughts on this aside from uh you know podcasts and things like that
2: no you know the one thing that i do and i always get the race pictures for these, these long races because when i see these pictures i wherever they were taken it brings me back to that moment and that's that's how i, I reflect on it is that i used to do race reports and, and write them up but i didn't particularly enjoy that um so I'm really more visual as far as the photos and things. So on my like Google Home, you know, like the race pictures will come up every now and then. And that's what I, you know, that, those are the moments. That's what really hits me. I just, gosh, I just, I just love it. But no, I, I don't write it up like I should.
1: All right. We're, we're good on you for that one. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll be in touch.
0: All right. Now you mentioned Utah, uh, your, your try that's coming up. What else you got coming up? What's on the, what's on the, uh, it's, what does the future hold for you?
2: Yeah. uh, So, yeah, this weekend we got an Olympic down here. Ironman puts an Olympic distance on. So that's roughly a a quarter of an Ironman, I guess, something like that. So um, got that. And then Ironman Utah in May, Ironman Canada in August, Ironman Arizona in November. Um, But I want to get another one in there. There's a double, a double in Oregon that I did a few years ago. I'd like to go back and do that in June. So I may do that. And, um, actually I'm, I'm helping a crew nurse. So for Ultraman Arizona, which is coming up in a few weeks, I'm going to crew for that. So that's, a uh, you swim on, you swim and bike on day one, you bike on day two, and then it's a double marathon on day three. So I'm looking forward to helping out and, and crewing for, for that one. Um, oh, I also wanted to mention, um, I also am a captain for the blind stokers. So cyclists who are, are blind. Um, obviously they, they can't cycle themselves. So we are captains. We're the front seat and attend the bicycle and they're the back seat. So I'm part of an organization here in San Diego called the blind stokers. And we, um, just do uh cycling trips, uh, fundraisers, just, um, like to go out and, and go cycling, uh, with people who are, who are blind. So that's something else that I've gotten into over the past year and a half. And that's been really cool. Really great group of people, um,
0: down here in san diego that's neat
1: but, um, that's fun work. tell us what the um what the website is for that so we can throw that up on our um social media
0: yep
2: www.blindstokers.org so it's blind stokers
0: You know, my mom was doing uh, was guiding blind runners. Like in the eighties, they would go, and she would hold the. uh, They'd have a headband, and they, you know, they'd run side by side, and she was a guide for that stuff. I remember her doing it. It was really cool. You know, definitely, Uh, uh, you know, something that that stuck stuck out for me from her running days uh, in the eighties. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. Everyone enjoys it, and it's just a it's just a great experience for for everyone. Um, I just wanted to mention Decaman USA. So that is the event that's going on this November. That's from one to 30 Ironmans. Um, USA Ultra Triathlon, which is the the two days, three days, five days type Ironmans. And if you just want to do a single Ironman, they do that as well. So USA Ultra Triathlon. And then um, the Salt Lake Triathlon Club, who I'm still a member of, they've been really an awesome group of people. They've really grown it from from nothing. (laughs) And then just a few years, hundreds and hundreds, and one of the biggest tri- Clubs in the country, and they are just a great group of people. So, if you're in the Utah or Salt Lake area, uh,
0: you can check them out. Awesome.
1: I almost feel like now, if you just show up, you can't just do one Ironman. I'd feel like I'd, <laughs> so I'd be hard. like, I can't they're, just they're do one.
2: So hard. No, if, if you're doing it, if, if if it hurts and it's miserable, you're doing it right because um, Ironman's even no matter how many you've done it. If you do one and you're doing and you're pushing hard, man, the last 20 miles of that bike are, are brutal. Uh, it is. It is brutal so no they're still hard for sure
1: my favorite is passing the sign that says you know on the loops that are like double loops on the Ironmans, where it says like you're at mile 50 but it also says i you're at mile 100 and i'm like yeah. this isn't right <laughs> this is nope. yep nope nope
0: yeah that's the word
1: <laughs> brian it has been an absolute pleasure we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours about all this
0: because he can go for three days you know a run so you
1: know right so we're gonna have to meet up at something so we can do a 12-hour conversation and you know you got a, a lot a lot of awesome experiences and that's that's what it's about we love it Our seriously if our listeners after this don't go out and start registering for longer races then there's something wrong so you hear that listeners around the world get yourself signed up you can do it
2: you can. They can definitely, you could do one Iron Man. You can do as many as you want.
1: <laughs> you hear that? Oh, my gosh. Seriously, it's frightening that my husband hey, let us, hey, Chris, let us, let yeah, us communicate I, I with each other, say, right? Chris,
0: Christine, I bet you can't do two. I know, right? <laughs> that's how I get her to do things. Yeah. Hey, Christine, I bet you can't anything, fill in the blank.
1: I want to do 100. That's on my next, um, that's my bucket list next. You know, it's a progression. So that's, that's where I'm headed next to see. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll see what happens, you
0: know. I'm in, Christine. Ugh, Brian. Count me in. They're going to cancel everything else. We're just going to go for a real long run.
1: The next, run we're, the next one, though, is I am going to, I decided, I'm going to Boston to run it, whether it's canceled or not.
0: We got to talk about that. hmm
1: So, that's where I'm at. You're going to see me on the I'm news gonna being host, arrested.
0: I'm going to host a nice fat yeah. ass over here in uh, New Jersey where anybody can show up and just run as long as they want, as short as they I'll want. I'll do that, too.
1: But I'm, yeah.
0: So, so, Brian, I Christine and I are both supposed to run Boston. My sister's supposed to run London. And, you know, just the way things are breaking out, we're just not sure that uh, any of this is going to happen. But uh, we're going to get some uh, runs in anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Like you said, we don't do it for the events. Right. We do it because we get to do it, or, you know, and, and it's good for our soul. So, uh, whether there's a start and a finish line, you know. I with, don't need your medal. I fanfare, just want to do it. We're yeah. not. We're going to do something.
1: All right, well, Brian. The next time we're in San Diego, which which we should have been to see you in oh, like a couple days, Um yeah, definitely giving you a call. Can you? Yeah, yeah. Take yes, us out on a run. Or,
2: great running trails around here. Nice,
1: nice. I love it. Well, thank you so much for everything, and uh we'll definitely be in touch. This was fantastic.
2: Exciting. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, you bet.
1: So, with that said, it is Christine Conte and I'm Brian Prendergast, and we are two fit crazies And the microphone, where it's at. Peace.